Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor's here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now, here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Good morning, Harbor Church. I don't know what that week's sauce was all about. Um, we're going to have the ushers bring coffee in, start passing it up and down the aisles because, man, it's Father's Day. We just had some of the best worship. I loved hearing those songs. I loved hearing you worship. I want to hear you guys get excited. I want you to be alive this morning. Man, we serve a God who loves us, has a plan for us. And when we worship, when we open up our hearts, like I believe some of you just did, God is saying, listen, I want to speak into your life. Give me access. He's not going to kick the door in. He wants you to open it and let him speak to you this morning. I believe if that's where you're at today, he will. I recognize that some of you are not sure what you believe today. You're here. Maybe you're visiting. You're checking us out. Those of you that are tuning in live right now online, uh, maybe you're just trying to see what this God thing is all about. You don't know if you believe in Jesus. You don't know where you can put your faith or your trust. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're checking it out. I'm just glad that you're a part of what we're going to be talking about this morning. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at Harbor Church, and man, I'm thrilled that we get to continue on in this series and this idea of being peeled, this idea of God pulling back the layers in our life so that we can have something a little bit better as we walk out today than what we came in with. And when we get peeled, when we get pulled back, when God exposes some of the things in our life that doesn't need to be there, it's painful and it hurts and it's a struggle, but man, it's, it's going to be that much sweeter. Now, we looked at the idea last week of this orange and this idea that as God peels back the orange, as God peels back that, that rind, he's going to um, expose some things that make us feel raw, makes us feel exposed, it feels hurtful. But that's not his intent. In this entire series, as we talk about what God is doing in our lives, it's never to hurt you. The things that we're going to address in the weeks to come, the questions that are going to be asked, the things that feel, oh man, that's digging in a little too deep. The intent is never from Jesus, from God, from his word. It's never to make you embarrassed, to make you uh, just to cower in fear, to feel shame. All of those things are byproducts of our decisions and the stuff that's happened in our life. But the goal has always been redemption, to bring value to you. And this is where we're going to struggle because your flesh and Satan, they're going to whisper into your ear. You're going to feel this like, oh, God is doing this and God is pulling on your heart and he's peeling back because he, he wants to embarrass you. He wants to shame you. He wants you to, to, he wants you to be miserable. He doesn't love you the way he says he does. And all of that's not true. When we get redeemed, it's like going through a fire. It's, it's this refining process where the, as the heat gets turned up, the impurities rise to the top and the product that's left after the heat is that much more valuable. And so as you lean into what God might be telling you today and during this series, don't cower from the heat. Don't recoil from the peeling process. Lean into it and go, I, God, I believe that you're smarter than I am and have a better plan for my life than I do. And that at the end of this road, when I get out of this valley, when this peeling process is complete, there will be something sweeter, something better, something more pure, something more valuable, something where I reflect the creator more than I reflect what is deep down in my flesh. I want to be more valuable, not just stay with all of these impurities and these things that I struggle with. There's a lot of ways that we could go into it, and there's so many stories that I want to talk about, but today we're going to look at the life of Joseph, and this is not a, 
uh, an easy one to do because it's a lot of chapters in, in the book of Genesis. And it's so much so that I really want to do a character study on Joseph because you could spend months looking at this guy and what God did in his life. And maybe you're not familiar with the story. I'm going to try to summarize it today. But Joseph's life exemplifies what it is that Jeremiah is talking about in, in chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God, God has a plan for your life. He says that God, God, God goes and he, he, he calls out to you. I, I think that's verse 12. I need verse 11. That's okay. That, I messed that up. Verse 11 says God has a plan for your life and that he knows what he, what he wants for your life and that he wants good for your life and not, not evil. And, uh, and, and in this idea of Joseph being, oh man, let's just call it put through the ringer. Maybe you don't know the story of Joseph. I want to give you a couple of healing processes for his life and uh, then I just want us to look and talk about it so let's pick up the story of Joseph and it starts in the book of Genesis chapter 37 and um, Genesis has a lot of great stories to it it starts with the creation and it ends with God's people in, in Egypt and Exodus is the starts with the story of Moses and God pulling his people out of Egypt the end of Genesis speaks about how God's people got to Egypt and it's, it revolves around the life of Joseph. Joseph was one of 12 sons that came to a guy named Jacob. Jacob had four wives, and between those four wives, he had 12 boys. Those 12 boys grow up to become the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel as we know it today and throughout the Bible. And one of those sons was Joseph. And Joseph uh, ends up being his father's favorite child. Now, dads shouldn't pick favorites, but since it's Father's Day, that's the Father's Day nugget. I'm not really preaching a Father's Day message, but don't have favorites, okay? Um, even though <laughs> I'm obviously my parents. Um, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. The, uh, uh, my mom's going to send me an email about that. Um, Joseph, because he's his dad's favorite, um, ends up creating resentment with his other brothers and his other brothers are not great guys they struggle with a lot of their own issues but Jacob gives his son Joseph a, a coat of many colors not a big deal to you and I today but most everything was bland one color the fact that somebody took the time to dye a garment different bright colors made it very very valuable so Joseph's walking around with the bling bling on like he's got like the the, the item that everybody wants and every time his brothers see that they're not like oh Joseph's so good they're like I hate Joseph and so it, it builds up resentment in their hearts and one day Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers if you have a Bible, turn in, your, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 37. If you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen. It says in verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, now they're shepherds, they're out in the field, they can see him a long ways off. It says when Joseph's brothers see him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Wow, that got escalated real quick. I mean, I don't know how many you got brothers. I'm the middle child. I've got three brothers. Um, and uh, this, is, this is a heavy verse. Now, you need to understand something. If you read the, the verses prior to this in chapter 37, Joseph has a couple of dreams. And in those dreams, um, th like his, he, has a, he has a dream where he has a pile of, of wheat and, and then all of his brothers' piles of wheat bow down to him. And then he has another uh, dream where it's not just his brothers bowing down to him, it's his, it's his parents bowing down to him. And, and he, he tells them this dream and they don't receive it well, okay? Um, hence the next verse, it says they want to kill him. And so they say, here comes the dreamer, they said. 
and verse number 20. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or like a well, a big pit. And we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what happens with all of his dreams. And uh, this is a, a heavy section of verses because uh, it's, it not only speaks to his brother's disdain for him, but an actually very evil plan where they want to kill him. They want to be done with him. Um, a lot of things we can get from this. I mostly want to go through the story and then come back and, and work with you on a few things. But understand this, uh, not everybody wants to hear your dreams, okay? Um, I know that we live in the world where like, let me just put everything out there and everybody will pat me on the back and tell me how awesome I am. No, like some people, they don't, re they don't respond to that. Now, I just told you about Jeremiah 29 where God says, I have plans for you. I have dreams for you. There's stuff that I want for your life. I want better for your life than what you have for your life. But as you lean into that, just understand that not everybody wants the same thing for you that God wants for you. It's really what you need to get. And I don't, I'm not saying this to, to, to hang on the negative, but some of you in here, if we're going to talk about the peeling process, people have done you dirty. There are people in your life that don't, that don't want the best for you. They may even be family members, close friends, people that you hope would love you and want the best for you. They may sabotage you they may resent you be jealous of you um in a lot of this by the way just i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin it for you and tell you now so you can start thinking and a lot of this we read the story of joseph and we're like yeah people have done wrong to me i'm joseph in this entire story the goal is to be joseph the reality is we're often his brothers we're often upset at people's dreams we're often off like put off by by people who want better or, or even when God's blessing them or other people are, are blessing them, we become jealous, we become bitter. Honestly, they should have just looked and said, been bigger, they should have been bigger brothers. They should have been like, hey, all right, maybe it's not good that dad loves him more than us, but hey, good for Joseph. Let's just, I mean, he's, my, he's our brother. Let's just, let's go on. But instead, they get consumed with it. They get eaten up by it and they plan to kill him. It says they throw him in a pit one of his brothers was going to try to come back and rescue him. And he says, hey, let's not kill him. Let's, let's come up with something else. And then while he's in the pit, it says this. Let's pick up the story over in verse number 23. It says, when Joseph arrived, they ripped off his beautiful robe. Uh, then they grabbed him, threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty because there was no water in it. And then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum with them. They're, they were doing all this stuff. Um, they were, they were, this was not uncommon for them to be traveling around. This happened a lot. They're going down uh, to Egypt. Judah, one of Joseph's older brothers, says, what are we going to gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's just sell him to these traders. After all, he's our brother. He's our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midian traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver and the traders took him to Egypt. So this story about a young person who is despised by his brothers, hated by his brothers, beaten up by his brothers, now just got a lot worse because he's been kidnapped and sold into slavery. And as a slave, the Bible tells us that Joseph's 17 years old at this point. He is pulled out of his home country, away from his dad, away from his 
his other brothers. He has one brother that, that he's really tight with. Uh, the, the, they share the same mom. That's J Benjamin. Benjamin isn't in this group. He's too young to be out in the fields at the time. But his other 10 brothers trade him, sell him, betray him for 20 pieces of silver. Do you know any other stories in the Bible where somebody was betrayed for a few pieces of silver? There's a story, uh, if you read Matthew, it says that Judas, one of the 12 disciples, went and found a way to betray Jesus for, 20 piece, or for 30 pieces of silver. And as I looked at the 20 pieces for Joseph, I thought, between 10 brothers, you got two pieces of silver to stab your brother in the back. And then as I kind of looked like, who would do this? And if you, you got to read the story. I don't have time to read it all for you. It crushes their dad. Jacob is destroyed from here on out at the loss of his son, Joseph. They, the brothers, realize that they've done wrong, and for years to come, they live with the guilt and the sadness of what they did. And I, I look, and, and it's easy for me to be like, you idiots, all that for two pieces of silver. But then when I go, man, I'm an idiot. How many times do I do something so stupid for a really quick momentary gain? How many times have I hurt somebody, made a poor choice in the moment, in a... In a in a, in, a, in a split second of anger or lust or pride or whatever, fill in the blank, I chose to do something for a really quick moment of, man, a few bucks or a little what I thought would make me happy or get a little bit of vengeance or you fill in the blank what you struggle with. And what I've done is I've caused so much irreparable damage to somebody else. They hurt their brother. They hurt their father. They hurt their family. They hurt themselves. They, they, they have guilt that just almost cripples them from this point out. So it's, don't just read it and read on. This is a big deal. Besides what it did to Joseph, what these guys do, and we're so often, we're the brothers in this story, even though we always think that we're the only one ever being done wrong. Yeah, come on. We're peeling back today. I didn't say it was going to be fun. I just said we're going to step on some toes and we're going to get through it, okay? So he gets thrown into a pit. Now he's sold. If we pick up the story after being sold, if you go over uh, two chapters to, to uh, Genesis chapter 39, it lets us know what happens to him next. So he gets sold into Egypt. And when he gets there in verse number one of Genesis chapter 39, it says, Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. And that's an important thing. You could put your name right there. The Lord is with you even, even then through some of this really, really heavy stuff. So Joseph succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this. Now this speaks to the idea of, um, are you supposed to be a good worker? Yes. Well, I don't really like my job. He was a slave. Well, my boss doesn't treat me well. He was a slave. Well, I don't get paid what I think I deserve. Do I need to say it again? You're called to do what you're supposed to do regardless of the circumstances. Some of you are missing out on an opportunity for your boss to go, wow, she's got God in her life. It says that this wicked, evil Egyptian man could look, the guy who bows down to hundreds of gods meets one slave and goes, God, the, the real gods with this guy. I got to have this guy around me. This is what your boss is missing. This is what your employees are missing. This is what your coworkers are missing. Is somebody in spite of the circumstances says, it's bigger than what I see see right now god i'm going to trust you and serve you and if i'm not getting paid what i think i deserve if i'm not being appreciated the way i feel i need to be appreciated i'm still going to do the right thing that's what we're missing here now there might be some of you that are bosses going i wish i had brought some of my employees today but 
You, you focus on you. Let God worry about other people, okay? It says that, he, that, that Potiphar noticed in verse 3 and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him some success in everything he did. It pleased Potiphar, so he made Joseph his personal attendant. He gave Joseph charge over everything in his household and over everything he owned. Joseph gets promoted. Granted, he's still a slave, but he's at least the top slave okay like he's 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 being given some freedom and he's been given influence and power the problem with that is that just because uh things start to go well doesn't mean that satan's going to leave you alone doesn't mean that your struggles are over in the peeling process although sometimes you, you're like okay this sucks i'm a slave and all right god i'm going to do the right thing joseph does the right thing and it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else gets on board with the right thing and it says that potiphar's wife had lust for Joseph, that she wanted Joseph, and she wanted things that she wasn't supposed to have, and she got everything she wanted, and she couldn't get Joseph. That just made her want him more, and so she ends up trying to to lure him into bed with her, and when he says, no, you're my, you're my master's wife, he runs out of the room, but she grabs his, his jacket, and this is the second time that a jacket has got Joseph in trouble. And, uh, and she calls the guards, and, and um, I'm not sure if, I, if we have these verses. Look at verse number 10. It says, she kept pursuing Joseph day after day. She refused to sleep with her. He refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way. And she, she waited till no one else was around. She came. She grabbed him by his cloak. Come sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands. And when she saw what she was holding his cloak, and that he had fled, she called out to her servants, and all the men came running Look, she said, my husband brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came in my room to rape me, but I screamed. Now this woman falsely accuses him of this. And so he didn't do anything wrong, but somebody lies about him. Anybody ever been in that situation? You were trying to do the right thing, and yet you somehow get in more trouble. You, you thought you were helping. You thought you were standing up. You thought you were, you thought you were, you, you were honoring God, and yet it backfires, or so it seems. And, and now he finds himself accused of rape probably the only guy in the house that wasn't sleeping with the master's wife is the one guy who gets accused of it and so it says that potiphar comes back and you can imagine potiphar's frustration his sadness his anger it says potiphar was furious in verse number 19 when he heard his wife's story about joseph and how he had treated her so he took joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained joseph in doing the right thing, gets demoted from being a slave. It can't get any worse than being a slave. <laughs> He's now a slave thrown into prison. He's now a prisoner slave. It wasn't bad enough that he was there against his will. He had a little bit of freedom. He had a semi-soft bed in a semi-warm house, and now he lives in prison. And when you think of prison, it's not today's prisons. It's more akin to dungeons. The goal was to really 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 punish you so you were in some of the darkest grossest most vile place that they could come up with and uh, comfort was not their goal for you and this is where he finds himself sometimes when we think it can't get any worse we have that attitude and then it gets worse and we're like wow I'm going to come back and talk about Joseph here in a second, but some of you have just gone through something where things weren't great last week, and boy, man, they got a whole lot worse this week. I was struggling in the months prior, Pastor, but I just got some news, and it's like out of the frying pan into the fryer. I don't, I don't know what God's doing. God has forgotten me. 
I know we're not supposed to be like identify with the negative and I'm not I'm not trying to hang there but I want to speak to some of the brokenness in this room some of you watching feel this right now and you know you're not supposed to say that because you're at church but let's be honest and, and, and sometimes some of the biggest pain and some of the worst struggles it feels like God has forgotten us or he's toying with us or he's trying to crush us like God how did you let me be a slave how could you let this happen to me how could this be your plan and God goes hey listen I love you but this isn't my plan my plan also involves prison coming next oh no God how could you do that how could this be there? How could I get this diagnosis? How could I have these kind of struggles with, with my finances? How could my love life just fall apart like this? How could my family do this to me? God, how can my health be so down here? God, how can these people be doing this? How can... And the future looks bleak and everything feels dark and we, we struggle in the battle of being peeled with does, does God really love us or, or has he forgotten about us? And if you think that this is the end, we've got to lean into it a little bit more. Going from uh, Potiphar's house into prison wasn't the end. It says, if we pick up the story right there, it says he was thrown in prison in verse number 20. Verse number 21, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Put your name in there, okay? Those of you that, that feel more akin to the I'm in prison right now part of this story, the Lord was with him. The Lord is with you in the prison and showed him his faithful love guys i don't care how dark it is right now i don't care how scary it is right now i don't care how alone you feel joseph was kidnapped from his family the dad the, out of his family the only people that loved him think he's dead and the people that know he's not dead are the ones that sold him into slavery he has no friends he has no family he has nobody here to help him he has now found himself in the darkest of dark and it says the lord was with him in prison the Lord is with you right now in this dark place. This was, I'm telling you this story because truthfully, this is at least some of the better parts of the Bible stories where this guy, Joseph, he didn't do any of this to himself. If I'm honest and I want to be Joseph, I get myself thrown into a lot of these situations. We want to be like, I've never done anything wrong and I'm just being persecuted. That may be true. It was true of Joseph. Just be honest, because some of you are lying to yourself right now. I'm in a prison that I made of my own. I have bad relationships because of things I've said and done. I, I am reaping the results of some of my poor choices. The point isn't how did you get in prison, whether falsely accused or <clears throat> you helped yourself get to prison, however we're going to say that today. The point isn't how did you get there. The point is God is there with you. And that's what I want you to leave here with today, because some of you are ready to walk out on God. You're, you're going through the refining process. You're getting peeled today, and you want to give up because it sucks, and it's dark, and it's bleak, and you don't see hope. And God is going, don't quit. Don't leave me. I haven't left you. We're going through this together. It's because I see so much more value that this is the way it is. And I'm going to get to that here in a second. Just hang with it. He's in prison. God hasn't forgotten about him. Verse 21 says he showed up. He showed him his favor. The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison ward. Not exactly the friend I want, but if I have to have a friend, I'll take the, 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 the warden here, okay? And he says, listen, uh, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. Now, if you thought my illustration about being a slave and doing a good job wasn't potent enough for your attitude, <laughs> you want to talk about doing a good job being thrown in prison? You want to talk about what God expects from you in the worst of circumstances? 
If you thought like, oh, I get what pastor was saying. Maybe my paycheck isn't as good as it needs to be. And I'm still supposed to be a, a light in the darkness. Yeah. What if it what if it goes from you being a slave to now you're a prisoner? Now we have all the justification in the world to be ticked off, right? All the reason in the world to get mad at God and mad at everybody else. All the reason in the world to start riots and push back and hate on the establishment because, man, if anybody's been wronged, it's Joseph. Now, if you ever go into prison or if you've ever done prison ministry, everybody in prison is innocent. And I'm sure Joseph's like, I'm not supposed to be here. And they're like, yeah, we aren't either. And he's like, well, maybe. But Joseph really wasn't supposed to be there. If there's anybody with, that has the right to have righteous indignance who, who, should, who should be able to just complain a little bit, it should be Joseph, right? And yet he works so hard in prison to have a good testimony. You want to get pilled back today? I don't want you to think about the job that may or may not pay you quite enough. I want you to think about the situation where there is no logical reason for you to be the light of Jesus in that. The people in your family who have done nothing but gossip and stab you in the back. The person who has gone out of their way to betray you and hurt you. The situation that has no real value to anybody else. God says, I've put you in this. This dungeon crap hole situation in your life. Don't fight me on it. Just shine a light. Watch what I do with the person who's faithful to shine a light in the worst circumstance. Whatever that may be for you. Well, you don't understand, Josh. You don't get it, Pastor. They, they've said some really, really horrible things to me. You go and you show them love. But you don't understand how, how heavy and dark it is. It, it doesn't look like there's much hope. You go and you shine a light. I don't care if it's in a hospital room. I don't care if it's sitting around a dining room table with somebody. I don't care if it's in, 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 talking through the glass out into a jail cell. I don't know what, what God has put you in, but you, you shine a light. And this is easy for me to say, right? Because, oh, I'm not there. But Joseph actually does it and models for us what Jesus does. So he, we lean into that for a second, right? He, that's where he's at. It says while he's in prison, he gets an opportunity to minister. And once again, dreams come into the picture. This kid should steer, steer away from dreams and jackets. Like this guy, this guy struggles with it. But some of his, his fellow prisoners have dreams and they don't know what to do with the dreams. And it says that he interprets those dreams for him. And, and in verse number 20 of Genesis chapter 40, it says that after he interprets the dream for the baker and for the, the cupbearer who were thrown into prison, the, they actually get called back into Pharaoh's service, if you will. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later after that dream interpretation, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials, and he summoned the, the cupbearer and the baker to join him. He calls him out of prison. Joseph told him that would happen. He predicted and interpreted their dreams, and the Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. The reason that the baker doesn't come into this is Joseph tells the cupbearer, you're going you're gonna to go back into service with the Pharaoh. And the baker's like, well, what's my dream mean? He's like, you're going to get killed in three days. Not a great dream to interpret, but it's what their dreams meant. And so he tells them, and he tells the cupbearer, he goes, you're going to get restored to Pharaoh's palace. When you're there, remember me. Don't forget about me. I'm doing you this favor. Just remember me to the Pharaoh. I'm wrongfully imprisoned. I've been kidnapped from my homeland. You got to read the story for yourself. He basically begs that cupbearer. The cupbearer gets restored and then forgets. Cupbearer totally forgets about Joseph. Maybe he was afraid to remind the Pharaoh 
Like, it's, it's kind of hard to tell the Pharaoh, like, remember when you threw me in prison? Like, I just want to forget that. So maybe that's why he does it. Maybe it's because he doesn't think Joseph is, is important. Maybe because he doesn't want to shine the spotlight on Joseph. We don't know why. But for another two years, after getting this guy, after helping this guy get back in, in, into Pharaoh's service, he still sits in prison forgotten about. You need to understand that when other people forget about you, God hasn't forgotten about you. I know that's a long two years. Just for the record, Joseph spends 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. You want to talk about a peeling process. Last week, we talked about Peter's peeling process. It was about 10 minutes on the beach, and it was an awkward 10 minutes with Jesus. I'm not going to lie, but it was 10 minutes. This is 13 years. He's 17 being sold into slavery. He's 30 before he gets out. Now, it does say, and here's the good part, after prison, that the Pharaoh has a dream, and this is where dreams really start to pay off, because the Pharaoh has a dream, nobody can figure out what it means, and then the cupbearer's like, oh, I think I might know a guy. And in verse number 9, it says of, of Genesis chapter 41, finally the, key, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up, I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. I have royally screwed up, Pharaoh. Boss, forgive me, there may be a guy that you need to meet. And he introduces Pharaoh to Joseph, Joseph, the guy who has a God who knows what the dreams mean. And Joseph continually says, I don't interpret dreams, God, or I don't know, I, I didn't give you the dream, but God knows what it means, and if he'll tell me, I'll, I'll help you understand it. He helps Pharaoh understand that Pharaoh's dreams meant that there was going to be seven really nice years of tons of great harvest, followed by seven really, really, really horrible years of famine. And that scared them. And they're like, what do we do? And, and, and Joseph just says, hey, you need to find somebody. Put them in charge of gathering up the good stuff and saving extra every year so that you have leftovers to, to get you through the bad years. And Joseph was so kind and so wise and so poised and so just willing to, to love and to serve. By the way, a, a slave and a prisoner and instead of telling Pharaoh off, let's just not, let's not like pat ourselves on the shoulders. I would have been Joseph too. I don't know. Josh Adams might have gone in there. Pharaoh, kill me because your place sucks. And these guys are liars. And this, I got one shot. I'm going to tell everybody off. Nobody, just me. Thank you guys. Make me feel bad. That's fine. <laughs> I, I would have done that. And he just shows Pharaoh love and he doesn't try to promote himself. He just says what needs to be said and then this is the cool part verse number 37 joseph's suggestions were well received by pharaoh and his officials so pharaoh asked his officials can we find anybody else like this man obviously filled with the spirit of god i i can't even give you the messages that are contained in that one verse we need to spend a few more months digging this apart when the pharaoh who tells everybody that he's a god this Pharaoh is worshipped as a God. People bow down to him. You're God, Pharaoh. You're a God. You're walking amongst us as a God. He lets that happen because, you know, I mean, it feels pretty good. And then he meets Joseph and he's like, this guy might know something I don't know. Like, this guy might have something for real. And when God puts you in the place that he's putting you or going to put you, the peeling process isn't to make you look great. It's to shine a light on the God who is so awesome that even people who think that they're God have to come face to face with the realization that they need something else. And Pharaoh goes, I need what this guy's got. 
Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. Some of you are like, I'd love my boss to tell me these things right here. Um, you will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a higher rank than yours. And he went from prison to being the second most powerful man in Egypt, the most powerful nation at the time. He literally just became the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. Like that. When the peeling process begins, oh my goodness, I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know what God's doing. I don't understand why God would let this happen. I don't understand where this will be coming from. Would you mind handing me that box right there, please? As we lean into God peeling us back, thank you, ma'am. Let's give a round of applause for Jen, my lovely assistant. As God leans into what, uh, what he's calling you to do, it, uh, it's going to be a peeling process for you to get there. Last week, we talked about an orange, right? And the orange, I, I just dug my hands in and peeled it back and, you know, no big deal. I mean, it's a, it, it, it served its purpose. We all have a rind. We all have it. But sometimes it's not God peeling back the orange of our life. It's God peeling back something a little bit harder right? Am I right? We all know that it has to start somewhere. We all know that at some point, God's got to break through, got to actually get to the heart of where we're at. But some of us have been doing this a little bit longer. Some of us have had a little bit more history of pain, of hurt, of setbacks. And so it's not an orange rind that God is trying to get back. It's not, it's not a quick 10-minute conversation on the beach, and I'm not trying to downplay what happened with Peter last week, but if the peeling process for Peter was fairly powerful and potent, the, <laughs> hold on, I got more. It's alliteration time. When we peel, we get into the, the peas, because listen, for, for Joseph, his peeling process was a pit followed by a Potiphar, followed by a prison that ends in a pharaoh, which is also a pea, just doesn't sound like it, all right? When we get there... We need to understand that for some of us, going through that, it may not be 10 minutes. And it may not be subtle, because what we want is we want God to, we, we want God to, uh, to just kind of tear us apart. And I bit into that last week on the orange and just started ripping apart, because I could do that. Because it was, it was an exterior, but I could go, go through it pretty quick. But what we want, or what we have to have, is we, we go, no, you know what, God, it's a little bit more than just... just fingers on this one. I mean, if you can peel a watermelon with your fingers, oh, I'm, man, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. And I'm sure some of you could, I could do it. You don't normally, so don't act like that, okay? But as God begins to try to get through to us, it's a little bit more than just a subtle peel back a few minutes. Now, maybe there is. Don't let me sell that short. There may be one interaction with God that totally changes your life. I believe for many of you, you've had those and will continue to have those. But sometimes the peeling process is 13 years. And what was a conversation between Jesus and Peter was 13 years for Joseph where God's going, hey, hey, this pit sucks. And being in Potiphar's house, that's, that's a little bit more. And, and some of you are looking at it and going, what kind of idiot is trying to, trying to cut open a watermelon with a butter knife? I brought the knife because it's an upgrade from my fingers from last week. 
But most of you know this is not going to be the best way to get to this. Some of you, a few people just went, I got uncomfortable now. That's not a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> Only people over 30 really appreciate that. Sometimes when God begins to peel back at us, it doesn't end with the hands at the pit. It doesn't even end with the butter knife with Potiphar. We go from the pit to being a slave to prison. And we go, that got so much worse. That got so much heavier. That is killing me. That is crushing me. God, this isn't fair. Other people are just getting, getting, getting peeled back with, with fingers. Other people are, are being all right with, with the butter knife of life. Can you just bring back the butter knife? How many times have we said that? Like, let's just go back. I'll go back to the pit. I'll go back to my brothers like having lunch, talking trash to me. I got, I got punched in the face and I was whining quite a bit there, but I'll gladly go back to the pit if I don't have to be a, a, a slave in Potiphar's house anymore. And God goes, oh, you don't have to be a slave in Potiphar's house anymore. Oh, great. You get to be a prisoner. And then you spend our time in prison wishing we could go back to Potiphar. I'll just go back to the butter knife. I'll go back to the, anything better than this. And God's going, listen, the, the pit wasn't going to get to where you needed to be. And truthfully, Potiphar's house wasn't going to get you where you need to be. That's all part of this process to get you to, to prison where I'm actually going to start to really do some work. And for the record, maybe yours is longer than Joseph's 13 years. But I can imagine it was a long 13 years that just felt nothing but pain. And the more God carved into his life, the more it felt like I just wish it was anything but this knife. The knife for you might be the pain of losing somebody. It might be the, the pain of losing somebody coupled with the financial struggle that it's put on you, coupled with the loneliness that you struggle with. I don't know. We can just keep adding on, right? Because if, if we're honest, I sit in messages and hear people say stuff, and I'm like, it's not just one thing, Pastor. I feel like it's over and over and over again, and God is just laying on layer after layer after layer, and what we feel like is he's just punishing us, and he's just ratcheting up the pain. He went from peeling me with his hands to he's beat me with a butter knife, and I thought those were bad, but now I just feel like God's picking on me with the knife, and everything he does just makes it harder and harder and harder, and then all of a sudden God goes, hey, let me bring you to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh doesn't need this. Pharaoh needs this, Okay. And when you get the opportunity to come out of prison, to come through the peeling process, you don't need to use your one chance in front of Pharaoh to go, oh, let me tell you about all the things that have gone wrong in my life. I love you enough to tell you this. Now hear me, okay? Because I do the same thing. We are so prone to whine and complain about the crap in our life. When God is going, you know what everybody wants? They want the sweet part of the watermelon. They don't want the rind. And when we get a chance, when God takes us through the process, we finally get to share our story. We finally get to shed light in a dark place. We lead with the rind. Here, take a bite of this. It sucks, doesn't it? 
Here you go. Look how bitter my life is. Do you understand what I've gone through? Do you know what happened to me when I was a kid? Do you know how bad it's been for me these last couple years? If you and I are Joseph, we do nothing but lead with the rind most of our lives. And God goes, I was getting the rind back so that people could see the sweet part of your life. And you keep ruining it by leading with the rind. Why don't you lead with the thing that I'm trying to cultivate in you, which is to look more like Jesus and less like yourself. That's the sweet part of, of being peeled back. I don't quite understand, Josh, how do we know that this is, this is what God was trying to get to in Joseph? The entire time, Joseph is a picture of Jesus. You want to know how? Remember those dreams where Joseph had his brothers and his dad bowing down to him? And they said, hey, you're one of the youngest brothers. We ain't ever bowing down to you, Holmes. As a matter of fact, get in the pit. <laughs> Remember those dreams? There is that famine. That famine does come. And his brothers, because they're starving to death, go to Egypt and they bow down before the guy that they think is just some Egyptian master and they beg him and bow to him and do nothing but just praise him because they need his help and you got to read the story because it's beautiful and G Joseph kind of like tries to figure out where their hearts are and he finally sees that their hearts are repentant and it shows in, in Genesis chapter 45 I, just, I don't want to leave you with all the negative I want to leave you with some positive and Joseph chapter 45 he finally tells his brothers, hey, I'm Joseph. It says he breaks down in front of his brothers. He goes, I'm, I'm the brother that you threw into prison. I'm the brother that you sold into slavery. And he breaks down in front of them, and they don't know how to respond. And he says, he goes, no, no, listen, 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 listen. Here we go, guys. Please come closer. They came closer, and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt, whom you cashed in. For a few pieces of silver. Remember, we want to be Joseph. Who are we really? We're those brothers. And Joseph is a picture of Jesus. Remember that? All right. I'm the one that you sold for a few pieces of silver. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has ravaged the land for two years, and there's five more years coming. He knew the dream, Pharaoh's dream. He knew there's five more years. He says, listen, you're not going to be able to live through this. You're not going to be able to make it through it. God set me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive, to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me advisor of the Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. When, when given the opportunity... To confront the very people who betrayed him, who threw him in the pit, who started this entire journey. I wish I could tell you, church, that I'd be the kind of believer, the kind of Christian, the kind of man of God that would go, hey, I love you and I forgive you. I, I know because God isn't done peeling me that sometimes when I get the opportunity, I would just lay down the hammer, wouldn't I? I'll peel them back. I wouldn't use a knife. I'd go Gallagher on them with <laughs> Like a big mallet. Like, hey, let's get to the root of you guys, my brothers, you guys, whatever. And I'd put them in prison or something. I don't know. And in that moment, Joseph looks at him and he says, no. God put me here. I'm here to save your life. Joseph follows it up years and years and years. Decades later, his brothers and his dad, all, all of his family comes down to live with him in Egypt so he can save their lives. Also, by the way, fulfilling more prophecies, but we can get to that at another time. He brings his family down to Egypt, and then their dad dies years later, and his brothers come to him, and they're afraid that now that Jacob's dead, Joseph will take out some vengeance. 
And it breaks his heart that after decades of him loving them, they still don't get it. They still think he's going to get revenge. And so Joseph tells them, I believe it's in Genesis chapter 50. Genesis 50 says, hey, don't be afraid of me. I'm not God. I'm not going to punish you for what you did. What you meant for evil, what you intended for harm, what you meant for bad, God turned it into good. And this is the attitude that we need to have during the peeling process. What looks like nothing but harm, what feels like nothing but stabbing and, and, and God picking on me in prison after prison after prison, the, the, the year after year of this struggle, of this pain, of this sickness, of this financialness uh, struggle, or, or go into, break it apart. Some of you are going, I've been struggling with addiction for years. I've been struggling with depression for years. I've been struggling with this and that. It's year after year where God's going, I'm peeling this back. If you'll let me work, if you'll let me get to the heart of you, you're going to look more like Jesus. Because here's what happens during the peeling process. When you're redeemed by a God who loves you in spite of all of your messed up issues, you're able to be more like Christ, who when Jesus hung on the cross, looked at the people crucifying him and said, God, forgive them. And Joseph, who goes through a peeling process, looks at the brothers who betrayed him, and he says, I love you because God did this for good. And you may have even done it with the intent of being bad, but my God takes bad and gets to the good. And in my life this morning, I can, I can testify to the fact that God will take some of the worst rinds of our life, some of the hardest stories, I couldn't think of a fruit with, with a worse shell. I will. We'll get to more messages later. But, man, I don't bite into watermelons. It's not an easy process. You better have something to get at it. And God's going, hey, I see something in you. And this one isn't going to be 10 minutes. It's going to be a little bit of time. But what comes out of this, what we're going to get to after this, is something pretty powerful. I got something for you. Will you let me work in your heart? Will you let me do something that changes the world? That'll change your eternity and might just change the eternity of the other people that you get to come into contact with. I know it's going to be heavy. I know it's going to be hard. But it's worth it. Because the rind is nothing like the inside. All that exterior has nothing compared to the sweetness and the beauty of the inside. Of what God's got coming for you next. Will you pray with me? If you would, bow your head. Let me just pray over you this morning. In the quiet of this moment with nobody looking around, have you walked out on God? Have you given up on this process? In a moment between you and God this morning with nobody looking around, just close your eyes and have a conversation with God. Have you given up because it got too hard? It got too long? It wasn't quick enough? It wasn't over fast enough? It felt like there was no hope? Have you, have, you, have, you, have you lost faith today because, man, you feel like you went from a pit to a prison? God, you're not helping me. You're hurting me. It's getting worse. And God says, hey, the redemption process is to teach you how to really forgive. I'm, I forgave you for what you did to me. I want to teach you how to forgive those around you. I want, you to, I want to teach you how to be light, and I can teach you more in the darkest of places. That's where you're going to shine brighter. So I'm plunging you deeper and deeper into a darker pit. Not to hurt you. Not to hate you. But to help you shine even brighter.
Would you confess that in your heart this morning? Would you, in a conversation between you and God, right now, at your seat or wherever you're watching, just say, God, I'm not giving up. I'm getting back in the fight. I'm going to pull closer to you. I'm not going to be the complainer. I'm not going to be the whiner. I'm not going to be the person who focuses on the negative. I'm going to be the person who every chance I get, I point people to you because I believe that on the other side of this valley is a mountaintop experience that is so beautiful and so sweet. God, I need your help today. I need your, your promises, your dreams, not mine. God, work in my life this morning. Help me draw close to you. If you'll pray that, I believe God will work in your heart and begin to show you ways forward, even through the darkest of valleys. And as other people are praying around you this morning, there may be somebody in this room, I believe there probably is, who needs to embrace Christ for the very first time. You can't walk forward representing Christ until you have first encountered him personally in your life. And so as you sit there and you hear these words come out of my mouth, let me ask you, have you ever had a real relationship with God? Not a knowledge in the back of your head, but have you ever invited Jesus Christ into your heart? Let him start deep down inside of you with this peeling process where he says, let me be the one in control of your life. Give me access to the core of who you are. We say, invite Jesus into your heart. That's what salvation is, when you give God that access. You're no longer the Lord of your life, he is. Let him be the Lord, the Savior. Let him forgive you of your sin. Let him, have the one, let him be the one that has the plan for you. As I pray out loud, would you pray that quietly right where you're at? Dearly Father, Lord God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. We give you all the glory. God, we, we know that all of the darkness... It's just because you're that much brighter and your glory will be revealed if we don't give up. The things that we're going to see, the people we're going to be able to impact becomes that much sweeter when we lean into what it is you're doing in our lives. So God, we thank you and we praise you and we ask for your help through all of this. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.